you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Genesis chapter 41, this is God's Word. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile when out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy full heads. Then Pharaoh woke up. It had been a dream. In the morning, his mind was troubled, so he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first, but even after they ate them, no one could tell that they had done so. They looked just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dreams, I also saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk, After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none could explain it to me. And Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. 
The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterward are seven years. So were the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. It is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The abundance in the land will not be remembered, because the famine that follows it will be so severe. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. And now, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man, and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to his, all his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and the men shouted before him, Make way! Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name zaphnath paneah and gave him Azanath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Hazanath, daughter of Potiphar, the priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all, the Egypt, all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread out over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians. For the famine was severe throughout Egypt. 
and all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be a part of the miracle. That's wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out his hand We'll talk about a turn of events. I mean, one day the man is in a dungeon. The next day he's in the palace. One day he is a slave in the dungeon. The next day... He is second only to Pharaoh, and he's in charge. No one, Pharaoh said, is to lift a hand or a foot without Joseph say so. In other words, he's not just in charge of food distribution. He's in charge of the country. He's running things. I mean, that's miraculous. Only God could do that. Joseph didn't lead a militia and a political uprising. This was not a coup where you overthrow the government. This was where the ruler of Egypt recognized this young man has something nobody else has. It's not just wisdom. He is one in whom the Spirit of God dwells. Remember last time we talked about the fact that Joseph had a relationship with God. Joseph didn't just know about God, he knew God. And therefore, when he faced temptation, he did what was right out of reverence for God. He didn't look at all his options and weigh all the considerations. He went with what is right. What is pleasing to the Lord? How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? That was his question. He was focused on doing what his ruler said. Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt. God is the ruler of the universe. There's no comparison. This planet is a little blue marble spinning around the sun. This sun is one of the smaller stars. And it's just part of a galaxy of stars. And that galaxy of stars is just part of a universe that is so much bigger than we can comprehend. God spoke that universe into being. 
He created it out of nothing. God wanted it to be, and so he said, let there be light. And there was light. God created everything. And by the way, in the beginning, when God created everything, there was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything that got created was created through him. That is who Joseph knew. That is who Joseph served. So when he's about to go and see Pharaoh, he shaves, changes clothes, shows respect. He even shows respect in responding to Pharaoh not only saying God is the one who can interpret the dream, not me. Pharaoh says, I understand you can interpret my dream. He says, I cannot, but God can. That's the same thing we emphasized last time when he said to those two in the jail, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dream. Because Joseph knew the source of the wisdom. He knew the source of the interpretation. And so he said to Pharaoh, I can't interpret it, God can. And so Pharaoh tells him the dream, and I love the fact that Joseph's response was not, oh, I, know, I got it, I got it, God told me what that is. Joseph said to Pharaoh, verse 25, the dreams of Pharaoh were one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. Hmm. Verse 32, the reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. Okay, so on the one hand, he's saying not God has revealed it to me. He's saying God has revealed it to you. Let me explain what he told you. But secondly, he's pointing Pharaoh to the fact that it's not up to Pharaoh as to whether or not these things are going to happen. God is the one who has firmly decided this is what's about to happen. And God has told you, the ruler of this country, what he's about to do. Joseph was respectful to the ruler of the country who was not a nice man who was not a worshiper of the one true God. Pharaoh had a lot of faults. But Joseph respected his position and pointed him to the ruler of the universe. God's in charge, and God has firmly decided what he's going to do, and it's going to happen. This is about to happen. And God has revealed it to you. And then, Joseph did something that really fits with Joseph. He said, let me tell you what you need to do. <laughs> you, you can't stop what's about to happen, but you can manage it. You need to realize that because of what's coming, you're going to have to tax the people gathering up food. 
And Joseph's going to do that. As a matter of fact, what Joseph will end up doing ultimately results in the enslavement of the people of Egypt. And it started with just a 20% tax. For those of you who are adults and pay taxes, you know what I'm saying. The enslavement started with just a 20% tax. Americans pay a much higher percentage than that in taxes. About half the year, most of us are working for the government. Now we receive benefits as a result. It's good to know that the government is working, but let me just point out that having taxed the people, then when they were desperate for food, he didn't give it back to them. Joseph sold it to them. Did you catch that? That's going to be described in more detail in the chapters that follow, but I want you to understand that. The government says, this much of what you produce is ours. And then the government says, okay, if you want that back, here's what you have to do for it. But, but I want you to understand that God was in this. And he ultimately used it for good, including, by the way, the fact that people got enslaved. You're saying slavery is a good thing? I'm saying God uses these things for good. Because God would deliver his people from slavery in a way that folks are still talking about today all over the world. God would be glorified displaying his power against the false gods of Egypt. It was going to take a process of generations, but that returns us to another point. Beginning of the chapter. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. It's in that context after two full years of Joseph waiting for the cupbearer to tell Pharaoh and get him out of jail. Two full years passed. And now, God says the time is right. If he had gotten out two years earlier and gone back home, it would have seemed presumably like a happy reunion and things would go along well for Mm, more than seven years. But after a season of prosperity, tough times would come. And those times would be so tough that it would wipe out all the previous success. And multitudes would have died, not just in Egypt, but back there with Jacob and his sons. They too would have starved they would end up having to go to Egypt where grain had been stored. God was at work even in the fact that Joseph imposed this tax rate and then sold the people into slavery. And you say, well, we haven't covered that yet. We're going we're to get there. But I want you to see God's at work in all this. And his timing is perfect. 
He's already got a plan. He has a plan for you. You say, I don't understand. Year after year, I ask God to do something about this, and it's not happening. I, I don't know the details of God's plan for your life. I do know that if you are trusting in Jesus Christ, it ends really well. If you are trusting in Jesus Christ, the end of the story is magnificent. More wonderful than we can imagine. Well, between now and then, sometimes it's hard. Thank you, we got to hear that sung about this morning. We got to sing about walking through a valley where we see no earthly good. But, Christians, we have the keys to Zion. We have been given an open door into the presence of the God who spoke the universe into being and who's still in charge. God didn't create everything and then turn it over and say, well, you know, that was fun. Let's see what I'm going to do next. God continues to govern and rule over all. He is sovereign. That means he's the boss. People can rebel against him, but God's position is not threatened. All kinds of things are happening around the world that should be a wake-up call. It's not because God's feeling threatened. It's because God's wrath is going to be poured out on this planet one of these days. I don't know when, but I do know it's coming. And there is only one place of refuge, and that is in Jesus Christ. Don't ever think, whether you are a Christian or a non-Christian, do not ever think that God's rule is threatened by the words or actions of people. Not at all. Not at all. The Bible tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Does that mean everybody's going to get saved? No. No, it means that even those who are going to be condemned to hell are going to have to admit finally what they had refused to admit up until then. Jesus Christ is Lord. And we need to live like it. We need to realize, not I'm going to do this so that God gets to win. The victory has already been won. Well, I'm going to do this then so that, so that God will love me. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever trusts in him will not be destroyed, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world could be saved. But Jesus said, many are on the broad road that leads to destruction. Only a few find the narrow way that leads to life. Which road are you on? Jesus Christ is Lord. Please, seek Him. Yield your life to Him. Put your trust in Him. That's your only hope. It's our only hope.
Father, we thank you that you hear and answer prayer, that you are a great, glorious God who has shown us your love in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are working all things together for the good of those who love you, who are the called according to your purpose. Help us to believe your promises, to trust in you, and to do what you say, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.